0: misconceptions or who do you say I am and I've had a real battle with this sermon this week I said to Andrew last night I dreamed about this sermon and you're all there and in the end I just said I can't do it and I started teaching you karate moves (laughs) (laughs) so heaven knows what's going to happen I hope that God's going to take over What what I wanted to talk about is the Trinity, but not the Trinity. I don't want to get into the the aspect of the Trinity, but I do want to especially talk about God the Father and Jesus the Son, and how sometimes, we, we say it with our mind, we know they are one, but sometimes in our mind we'll put Jesus just a little bit lower than God, or we'll just have different thoughts about God the Father, and God the Son, and I want to just bring that out a little bit. So let's start with these three questions are the ones I want to address. Is Jesus God? Do you think of the Father and the Son in the same way? What do you actually believe? So I'm hoping it will make us all think this morning. Let's start right at the beginning. Is Jesus God? Who reckons he is? Have I got a... a, Ah, come on, do it again. I didn't get 100% hands. Okay, thank you. There is no question about, is Jesus God? But let's start at the beginning. Oh, it's not quite as dark as I would have liked it, but never mind. The Word became flesh, John 1 one to four. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that could be read as, in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word, and, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. It's, that's exactly what it's meaning. He was with God the Father in the beginning, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So right at the beginning, we've got God the Father, Jesus the Son, and if you look, I haven't written it down, but if you go to Genesis 1.1 or 1.2, you see, and the Spirit was there, hovering over the waters. What that quite means, I don't know. Waters of nothing or... What? But the three were there. Three in one. Now, all I want to say about the Trinity as a whole is that it is we only have one God. Remember in the commandments, God said, I, the Lord, am one. It only We only worship one God, but there are three very de- definite distinctions. And that's... I don't wanna go into that any further because I get confused, but it's three different distinctions, but one God only. And Jesus said, no one has ever seen God the Father, but the one and only Son. Only Jesus has seen him. Who is and it say, he said of himself, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. It's saying that Jesus has made the Father known to us because Jesus came in the flesh. So that is just a definite, no distinction, Jesus is God. But do we separate him do we separate him up do you think of the father and the son in the same way do you think even the spirit do you think of jesus just a little bit lower than god then we'll have the spirit just a little bit lower than jesus now you might say in your brain no 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 that's not right but what about in your heart what do you really how do you act What do you really think? Do you think God's all-powerful and he's, he's, you know, he can do anything? But Jesus is the loving, kind one. Jesus is the compassionate one. Jesus is the one I'll run to. Oh, when I want something done, I'll just ask the spirit to, to send his power and do it. Or do you think of them as one, totally one in unity? totally one that each aspect of God is in Jesus each aspect of Jesus is in the Spirit so that they are one I want to give you a little example Um, when I was a little girl six seven eight something like that we had the most fabulous children's Bible I've never seen one like it it was all in black and white It it was like a comic book, but it didn't have comic book characters. All the pictures were drawn like you see in old Bibles, very detailed and all. But you had your pictures and then you had your writing. And I adored the Old Testament. I absolutely loved it. I never read the New Testament much. It didn't appeal to me at that age. But I just loved looking at the violent pictures. I know, that seems strange, and they were. They were quite violent. You had all these pictures of wars and, you know, David with his foot on Goliath and chopping his head off with a sword. I'm sure that's where I got that bit for dramas. And Daniel in the lion's den and the three Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fire. And the best was... You're all going to say, yeah, right. The best was King Solomon, baby in his arms, Guard with a sword about to chop the baby in two. Now, just for anyone who doesn't know this story, that was because two women with one baby had come to the king and said, This baby is mine. And King Solomon was the wisest king they'd ever been, and he said, Okay, after they just wouldn't tell the truth, all right, give me the baby and he had the baby and he said, cut the baby in two, you can have half each. Well, of course, the mother, the true mother said, no, 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 give it to her, give it to her. And so the king said, give the baby to the mother who protested. He was wise, but as a little girl, that picture still stood in my brain. And so I got a picture in my mind of God the Father who was someone who was quite violent and wrathful and and judgmental. And I can remember sitting in church with my dad as a little girl, just sitting there and hearing about the fires of hell and damnation. So I got this picture in my head of god who was different to jesus i'd look at the new testament and there he was gentle and kind and loving and doing everything for people and i had two different gods in a way one violent well not violent i still loved him but i can remember even at 15 i was giving the bible study leaders a hard time why is god like this why is he killing everybody off why the teachers just said to me i don't know which i wasn't very happy with but they were probably very wise to say that because it kept me thinking and if we don't ask questions and think then we're never going to grow but that was the picture i had of god and jesus until in my early 20s when i think i had been reading the bible but I was just getting ready for bed and, got, and just it was like a voice said to me Jesus is God. I've never forgotten that either and it really stopped me, made me think Jesus is God, God the Father is God. How can I have two different pictures like this? There's something wrong with this picture. And so that slowly changed how I thought. And, of course, there's the other aspect. Some of us have fathers, may have had fathers who were violent or who didn't love us for who we were and wanted more of us. And, of course, as we grow up, we base our thinking of God the Father on what our own father was like. And, again, we can grow up in that thinking that God is... This way, Jesus is this way. And that can really wreck our relationship with God the Father and with Jesus because it's not seeing Him how He really is. And the other side of the coin is, of course, you can just read the New Testament and think, and you could really have a namby-pamby Jesus, one who loves and forgives and comforts and but what about the God of all power? Isn't Jesus that? I loved Mandy, that song you had last week, the Lion of Judah, that really struck me. That was really when I said, yeah, all right, that's the sermon, that that Jesus is all powerful, just the same as God the Father. Jesus can do anything just the same. The Spirit can, they're in one total accord. Nothing can separate them. So now what I want to do is talk about, just, just so that it's not my thinking, talk about a few of the different attributes of God the Father and Jesus the Son and compare them. Oh, I missed this one, didn't I? Never mind. That was just the verse that was saying, if Jesus was saying to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So let's look at this, God the Father and Jesus. Now, you can see I've got the same verse for both of them. And what does the verse say? I bet you can all say it to me without me even reading it. Go on, one, two, three. whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's just to keep you awake on a hot morning god so loved the world as it's said i think even in the bible or anywhere what father will give his son for people who are rebellious disobedient sinful People that are not so crash hot. In other words, us. But God the Father loved each one of us so much that he was willing to let his son Jesus come to earth to die for us. And we, quite often we focus on Jesus doing it, but God the Father for love of the world, for love of everyone, whether they would believe in Jesus, the son, or believe in him or not, he gave up his son. Yesterday I was watching a film with Josie and it had me in floods of tears. There was mountain climbers and there was going to be an avalanche and this this young man who loved God ran in front of the one that was about to have the, the rocks of snow fall on him and saved his life, but he died. And it really, really did bring it back to me. God the Father loved Jesus, loved us, you, me, so much that he'd send his son. And what about Jesus? Think about him for a minute. He's there in unity with his Father He's there, but he says, okay, I'll give up every godly right I've got. I'll give it all up. I'm willing to be born as a child, helpless, dependent on those people. Do you think he said those people like that? I don't think so. He said, I will be dependent on those that we love. Can you imagine a god any people's god willing to become a child and dependent on people that's not the picture of gods that we have is it but our one true living god jesus did that for us that he would come he'd put up with persecution people being rude to him same of us people rejecting him people leaving him good friends betraying him he lived just as you and i have and do we don't experience every little aspect of it always but he knows what it's like to be one of us and out of love jesus did that in unity god the father and jesus were exactly the same one couldn't do it without the other. And I, I don't want to bring in the Trinity, but I know the Spirit's there loving us and doing it all with us. And of course, when Jesus was on earth, until the Spirit came upon him, because he was human, he could only do his, the powers, he could only heal people through the Spirit. They were still all together. Let's look at faithfulness. Now, I cheated and wrote them down. Psalm 89.2, and says, I'm not sure if this is David, but he says, I would declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. I read that verse a couple of months ago and I loved it so much I did learn it. I was thinking God's faithfulness, God the Father's faithfulness is established in the heavenlies. Nothing could break that faithfulness. Nothing. It's established, firm, secure, total. His faithfulness. God, it says, God is a man who cannot lie. God will not lie to us. Think of him with the nation of Israel, right from Abraham. He said that the people of Israel, through Abraham we'd all be blessed, meaning through Jesus, but the Jews, they were his people. And even though all the way through history, there's been wars, Jerusalem has been overcome, and then it's been taken back again. It's been overcome and taken back. And then again in our lifetime, made a nation in 46, is it? 48, made a nation. And as we look now, I just, Donald Trump saying that, jerusalem once again should be the capital of israel prophecy faithfulness all the way through god's faithfulness what he has promised will happen and then jesus his faithfulness got this verse hebrews 2 17 and it's talking about Jesus. For this reason he had to be like you, fully human in every way, that he might become a faithful, merciful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus' faithfulness is the same as the Father's. He cannot lie, he will not lie. And he, as you see in the New Testament, he'll tell you the truth. He's not going to be backward. He's not going to be sometimes gentle. If you need to hear the truth, he'll tell it to you straight. And I love that, that you can depend upon God the Father, God the Son, the Spirit. They'll tell you the truth straight. And if you don't want to listen, then comes the next little bit the one we all love, obedience. Right from the beginning, we were given the Ten Commandments. Now, I know that we were given them so that we would know in the end that there was no way we could obey them totally, that we needed God, we needed Jesus to help us. But still, the Commandments were there for our own benefit as well. What have we got? Do not lie, do not steal. How many of you have ever lied and managed to get yourself into trouble over it? I have. Thank you, Grace. Yeah, we're, you and I together. <laughs> I don't know if any of you in your younger days stole, but I'm sure it left a scar on you. Those Commandments, God gave to us for our own benefit. Think of a little kid, think of young um, Michael, the baby. He's just, he's just a little bit older than he is now and he's toddling. And he goes, I don't know what sort of fire you've got, but he goes to just touch the fire and Rochelle says, no, 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 don't, it'll burn you, it'll hurt. And he knows enough to understand and he goes away. Next day he goes to touch it again. Rochelle said, no, don't do that, you'll get hurt next day he goes "Ah!" he gets hurt rochelle wasn't telling him don't do that just for do as i tell you she was telling him so he wouldn't get hurt and i really believe that's why we're given the commandments as well we're going to get hurt if we don't learn to obey we need obey and god is was very very god the father very firm on we must obey him what about jesus is he firm on obedience what does he think now i've got a a little verse there have not I? for um just seem to be winging this and going too fast at that Yeah, that was just in Leviticus 18.4 said, you must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. And then Jesus 14.23 says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I once had a dear friend who some of you know, and he got really hung up on this verse. He'd say, how can Jesus say he'll be my friend if I obey him? What sort of friend is that? I'm not going around saying, I'll be your friend, Sam, if you do as I tell you. <laughs> he went, like <laughs> what sort of friend? And he got so hung up on that verse, but doesn't love obey when you love your mum and dad you usually want to please them and so you do as they ask you not always but we do out of love obey Jesus and again he is asking for our obedience because we need to obey and then we come to the last one discipline I want to read you something that Andrew sent me in an email, I thought it was really good. I don't know if he wrote it himself or he got it from somewhere, but it was good. He said, I think part of the challenge we have for people understanding God in the Old Testament is that we live in a world that doesn't believe in punishment. Discipline is a word that has been made to seem like an unloving idea. Instead, we should let kids decide things and let them discover truth for themselves. The thought of God punishing those he loves is almost uncomprehensible to some. And his grace in such things is very hard for many people to understand. I thought that was so well put. I was thinking of the prodigal son. He went off. And Dad didn't try and stop him. That wasn't discipline exactly, but Dad said, and so we do sometimes with our teenagers, we have to. We say, okay, you go. You do what you think you need to do. And we pray desperately that they will do what the prodigal son did and see where it's led them and come back home. And so often that happens with teenagers and young ones. They have to see for themselves. They have to see. They don't, some of us love to be obedient, but others really, they have to see for themselves and they get burned. And discipline isn't better for God to discipline us out of love than to never be disciplined. Isn't it better to be taught to obey, to save ourselves? Psalm 94, 12 says, Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. And that's saying that blessings will come upon us. We need to be obedient. We need to be prepared to be disciplined. Hebrews twelve six says, tells us that the Lord disciplines those he loves. And this bit I found hard, and he punishes everyone except as a son. Now I did mean to go back to that and have a look to see if I had that word right. But I think I did, and I'm still struggling with that, but I think it means if he punishes everyone he accepts as a son, he's treating us like our, a parent would with a child. If you don't obey me, you're running with the wrong crowd or something, if you can't do as I ask and not do that, not drink yourself silly or whatever it is, then I will have to discipline you have to punish you you have to learn I don't want you hurt everything God does he does in love as I said in the Old Testament it does seem like God's punishing the people of Israel so much but they did keep disobeying him they did keep saying well they just walked away from him He'd be their God and everything would be going well and then like, like us, everything's going beautifully. You forget about God, don't really need to read the Bible. Ah, oh, okay, don't really need to talk to him tonight, okay. And that's not what you're doing wrong in a way. What it is, is it's opening you up to be then tempted to do the wrong thing. And God in his love has to bring you back to himself. And if that's the only way he can do it, he'll do it. And that's what he did with the Israelites. They kept going away, he kept bringing them back. If he was truly a violent judgmental God, he wouldn't have bothered giving them a second chance. He wouldn't have bothered at all. He would have said, fine, do it. But instead, he kept, once, once they realized what a mess they got into, and say come back i love you let let me shelter you under my wings just come and i'll give you peace just come and sit with me and isn't that how we want our father to be loving giving us guidelines giving us rules giving us discipline isn't that how we want jesus to be we want him to be strong and firm as well as loving and compassionate. That's how I guess all you men want to be is dads. A loving dad like that who can have rules and guidelines but will love you no matter what. And that's what God our Father is like. And i really that's really what i want to get through today is that they are one and the same jesus loves you the same way the father does it doesn't matter which one you speak to doesn't matter which one you pray to sometime and it's hard the trinity is so hard to get a head round: one but three We say to the children in in children's church, one and one makes three, and I sometimes wonder what do they really think about that? Because it's so hard, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are one. Don't separate them up because you lose the totality. You lose what the Father's really like. Don't just run to the Son and say, I need help. Run to the Father as well. Don't see them as poles apart. I can love this one, but I can't handle that one. They're not separate. They are the same. Let's pray. Father, I just pray today that any misconceptions we've had of you of jesus of the spirit that you would reveal to us the truth of yourself that you would show us what is truth and what is not i pray lord that if i've said the wrong things today for people to understand that you would give them true understanding but that you would enable us to fall deeply in love once again with you the father the son and the holy spirit that we would see you in truth all-powerful omnipotent loving gracious compassionate we ask this in jesus name amen